Welcome to the Unscripted Authentic Leadership Podcast. The podcast we are seeking to lead change while also seeking to understand. We are also here as a platform for leaders to come together to unite, to develop and empower other leaders in the areas of business, family, faith, and community. I'm your host, Lafayette Lane, joined by my co-host, John LeBron. Today, we are joined by special guest, Lieutenant Colonel Jason O'Harris. You already know what to do in those comments section. Those are watching, put those hands together, clap it up for our special guest, who is a Lieutenant Colonel. He is also a trust and leadership expert focusing on organizational culture and high performance teams. Colonel Harris has more than 20 years of military service as an Air Force officer and pilot. Additionally, he has flown for a major airline and recently has been featured as a documentary film host. Today, he's with us to have a conversation about trusting like your business depends on it. Let's get right into the conversation, Jason. Just looking at your profile and doing research on you, you're really big on this whole idea of trust. Absolutely. Uh, where, where did that passion for spreading trust come from? You know, really, it came from um, my military career, but even before my military career, man, it it was really this idea of what I saw people going through. And so my background, my mom, she served, she was enlisted in the United States Army, and I'm number two of six kids, number two of my mother's six kids, man, and and I'm, uh, you know, don't have any problem saying that I'm a mama's boy. And so I saw a lot of the things that she went through um, that they didn't have trust in her and different things and that came with some disrespect and, and how she was treated when I was growing up. And then my grandfather, he was a janitor, you know, and that was after my grandfather had served in the Vietnam War and the Korean conflict. And he retired out of the army after 20 plus years and was a janitor. And so because of those as foundational people in my life. And what I saw them going through, this idea of how you respect people, that thing about dignity, uh, and it tied to trust. And over my career, I began to realize that one of the foundational challenges that we were having or that I continue to see in organizations is a lack of trust. And that lack of trust led me to this idea of no-fail trust and trust like your business depends on it. Because when you have that level of trust, you get a whole lot more out of people as a result of having trust. That's that's really good. I want to deal with those last two components uh, that you talked about, the no-fail trust and also trusting like your business depends on it. Let's deal with the no-fail trust first, and then we'll go to the trusting like your business depend on it. What does it mean, this whole concept that you're talking about, no-fail trust? What does that mean? How can we implement it? Where did it come from? Just break it down for us. Absolutely, man. Thanks for that question. So, so no fail trust. It is it is effectively a leadership framework that we put together based on my my experience in the military. When you sit there and you take a young person that's fresh out of high school, 17, 18, 19 years old, and you provide them or, or you trust them to be able to do things, right? And so my background, I flew C-130s in the Air Force all around the world, in and out of combat. I flew special operations aircraft, in and out of combat all around the world. And we would allow these 17, 18, 19-year-old young people fresh out of high school, these video game experts, we would allow them to control more than 80% of our aircraft. Yeah. And, and we would allow them to control mil- hundreds of millions of dollars worth of equipment and we trusted them. And the reason we trusted them was because we had the right training, 
we provided the right processes that supported that training. And therefore that allowed us to trust the people. And when we trusted them with, because we gave them the right training, because we gave them the right process, we then created an organization or created a culture that was built on commitment, that was built on accountability and trust. And effectively, that is what no fail trust is all about. Awesome. So you talked about the 18 year olds that, that are video game experts and you're putting your life in their hands, essentially, is what Absolutely. you're saying. But that principle is a life principle. Mm-hmm. And so you had to essentially take your hands off the wheel and trust the outcome without trying to control everything in life. Uh, and that takes a level of vulnerability that takes a level of, like you said, trust as we're talking about, which is not a very easy thing to do. You're talking about trusting people. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's easier to trust yourself. Um, but the reality is in order to get anything done, to get anything accomplished, you need each other. We need each other. We need people. And so especially in the business arenas, those of those of us that are trying to accomplish a goal uh, corporately uh, in the sectors of whatever that context is, we have to trust people. And literally your business can depend on it. The success or the failure of whatever you're doing can depend on it. And as you're saying, sometimes your life can depend on it. So when you say trust people like your business depends on it, I think I know what you're saying. But take us a little further. And when you make that statement, when you say trust your people like your business depends on it, what do you really mean when you say that? You know, when I say trust like your business depends on it, what I'm talking about is that we have organizations where people are not trusted to do their job. You know, oftentimes we equate that to micromanagement. Mm-hmm. And, and what we fail to realize is that when we don't trust people, when we don't empower them, and part of why we don't trust them and why we don't empower them, and, and, and I mean truly empower them, not just say I empower you, right? But when we truly empower people because we've given them the right training and because we provided the right processes that support that training, then what happens is, is those people are able to execute the mission, right? And so I, I, I tell this story where you have a loadmaster, 17, 18, 19 years old, fresh out of high school. They're in the back of my C-130 and they control more than 80% of that C-130 aircraft, right? And I'm up front as the aircraft commander, as the mission commander, as the person that's in charge, who has the corner office, the window view. And and at any moment, when, when I'm getting ready to make the perfect landing, at any moment, that loadmaster, that 17, 18, 19-year-old young person, they can tell me to go around. And when they tell me to go around, what that means is, is do not land, do not think, do not pause, do not hesitate. It means immediately add full power to the aircraft, pull the nose of the aircraft up seven degrees nose high, climb away from the ground and get to a safe altitude. Why? The reason why it doesn't matter. But once we get to a safe altitude, that loadmaster will say, pilot, I directed, I commanded a go around because I could see what you could not see. And see, when we trust them, we trust them with our lives. Our lives depended on them being able to execute their job and command and direct me to go around. And in our businesses, the same thing goes. We have our frontline people out there that can see what we cannot see. 
And if we haven't given them the right training, if we haven't provided them the processes that supports that training, and we are not trusting them like our business depends on it, then it's possible that when they do see something that we cannot see, when they do see something that will clearly impact our bottom line, when they see the things that can take down our businesses, they won't speak up and listen or they won't speak up and tell us and then therefore we won't listen. Organizations are not listening and because of that, the businesses will fail. They definitely won't have higher levels of productivity. They definitely won't have higher levels of commitment, higher levels of accountability, and, and, and they definitely won't perform that 300% higher level that high trust organizations have been proven by research to perform at. And that's what I mean when I talk about trust, like your business depends on it. Wow, that's almost like another level, though, because I was you mentioned he saw something you couldn't. And so, yes, like we, we often sometimes can trust. If we're walking across the street and someone pulls me back and says, hey, that, and, the, and the bus went by, I was like, wow, I guess I trusted when they pulled me back not to fight it, right? But further than that, you trusted them to be looking for something, right? Yeah. But, I don't know that I would say, hey, I'm just going to walk across the street and assume that you're going to make sure that there's no cars or something that I never even thought about could happen. You're actually trained them so well that you're trusting them to even be aware of something that potentially may not have even been rehearsed. Does that sound about right? Yes, yes and no. And here's why I say yes. I say yes because we have uh, rehearsed it, right? Yeah. Um, or I should say the no part because we have actually rehearsed it. And here's the thing. When I say the training, that training, we actually teach people how to fail and how to fail forward and how to fail fast, right? All of those mm. catchy phrases. Mm -hmm. And so we teach people up front. I don't just put a loadmaster in the back of my airplane day one into the military, day one into the to, to being a C-130 loadmaster. Mm -hmm. I don't just throw them in the back of that airplane and say, hey, man, you got it. No, I have to put them through a training mm -hmm. course. And mm -hmm. then I have to then during that training course, I have to train them, teach them. I provide them these skill sets and then I provide them an understanding of what their job is. And then I provide them those processes. Mm -hmm. And with that, what do we rehearse? You know, what we rehearse is, is that young loadmaster in the back of that airplane, that young loadmaster will be with an instructor loadmaster and that instructor loadmaster. She might look at that young loadmaster and she'll say, hey, Chris, or hey, loadmaster, I tell you what, the next landing that the pilot's making. I want you to tell that pilot to go around. And I want you guys to think about what that would feel like. Imagine you're 18 years old, but you and you're new into the military. And all you know about officers, they have a college degree. They've been in longer than you have. And, 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 and they are the ones that are in charge up front. Right. And now and you're supposed to salute them. There's all this this military regiment that we have. But now the instructor, she's telling that young loadmaster, I want you to direct and command that pilot to go around. And that young loadmaster probably says, well, I don't know, man, I'm uncomfortable because that person outranks me. That person knows more than I know or whatever, whatever they might be coming up with in their minds. And so that, that loadmaster instructor will say, no, I want you to direct that pilot to go around. And then up front in the cockpit of that aircraft on the flight deck, that instructor pilot is talking to that young co-pilot. And that young co-pilot is going, what do I do? Like, they, they don't know my job. And that instructor pilot says to that pilot, no. When that loadmaster tells you to go around because they see something that you cannot see, 
your job is to trust them. And so we rehearse this over and over so that when you're in the heat of combat and you don't have time to think about it, you've practiced this enough. You've gone through the training. You've rehearsed the processes that support that training so that there is no question about it. In our organizations, when we have our frontline team members that are out there executing the job, are we trusting them? Have we provided them that training so that when that young person at that desk or that young person is the maintenance off, the maintenance person on that aircraft or the refueler on that aircraft, whatever it is, can we trust them to do that job? Because our business is depending on it. People's lives are depending on it. You're talking about, you keep saying about training, 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 which is absolutely critical. But what training, and I know you're talking about in the Air Force arena, uh, but I believe the principle can apply anywhere. What trainings uh, can businesses implement within their business to create that culture where everyone can trust each other to deliver? Because you're talking about not just trusting you, but I'm trusting you to deliver the goods. You know, like mm -hmm. in sports, I need you to bring us home. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and ultimately what, what we want, when I talk to my clients that are, that are corporate clients, when I talk to clients that are associations, what I'm talking to them about is the type of training like in the military. Obviously, they won't train the way we do in the military, but in the military, we all have a basic training. What is that basic training? Hmm. That's our culture. Right. So okay. the Air Force, we know we have our core values, integrity first, service before self, excellence in all we do. Almost every company has some core values. Have you actually taken the time to indoctrinate your new employees mm. with that company culture? What is it? And then after that, for that particular job, or do you just say, oh, I'm going to toss you into the fire and do OJT? Mm -hmm. And then that becomes that that's supposed to suffice. No, it doesn't suffice. Right. And so I'm talking to my clients. I'm talking to corporate audiences, to associations, volunteer organizations. And we're talking about what is the kind of training that you onboard people with? And then once you do that, what is the specific training for that job? And then after that, I want to then be able to talk about why we do it. Because the, ultimately what we're trying to do is ensure that every single person can deliver on their individual and the organization's brand promise. That's why we talk about training and that's why we talk about processes and that's what No Fail Trust allows us to do. That day in, day out, we can know without a shadow of a doubt that our people on the front lines, that they can deliver on our brand promise. And we don't have to come back and look over their shoulder. We don't have to micromanage them because we know we've provided them with a foundation. And then culturally, what we get is a culture that has a level of commitment to each other, to themselves, to the organization. We have a culture that has accountability to themselves, to each other, to the team, to the organization as a whole, as well as to our clients. And then we have a culture that has trust. That's what we're talking about here. So I'd love to hear about the brand promise thing. But before we get to that, how do you know then when it's time, you've been training the person, you've been putting time, energy, getting to understand why they're going through the training, like you mentioned, when is it time to let them spread their wings and fly? How do you know? Do you right. know? 
that that's a part of learning what it really takes for each person, right? Okay. Now, some organizations they might you you might have it an organization where you say, look, you need to be able to fulfill these specific requirements. Mm-hmm. Some requirements are mandated requirements. Some of them are soft requirements. Each organization will be able to make that determination as to what it is that is actually required mm-hmm. for them to be able to let that person go and execute the mission. You know, I, I was I was talking to a franchise group um, some time ago, and one of the franchise owners, he says, you know, Jason, he says, when you're talking, he says, it dawned on me that I, I, I have one of my team members that we haven't fully trusted. I says, tell me more. He says, you know, I, I need that team member to be able to drive the truck by themselves. And I realized that I did not trust that person. And it's been over a year and I've not let that person drive the truck by themselves one time. Mm. And so so again, that particular franchise owner had to go back and assess what his particular limitations were for his team. And so every organization is going to have a different limitation, if you would, when it comes to um, what is wh- where they will let that person go or send them off or kick them out of the nest, so to speak. Hmm. So creating that culture of no-fail trust is a culture mindset. And once it's in the mindset, once it's implemented in the culture, it'll start to catch on like wildfire throughout your organization, correct? Oh, yeah. And, and it's but it's something that we have to be intentional about, right? Sure. When when we are intentional about how we train our people, when we're intentional about um, how we communicate with our people and when we are intentional about letting them know that we are committed to them and we're intentional about letting them know that we trust them, then in turn, they will begin to trust us. Mm-hmm. You see, this concept of trust, a lot of times uh, employment environments alone are built on a foundation of trust. I trust you as an employer to pay me, and in turn, you trust me to do the work. And if at any point in time we don't live up to that commitment to to each other, then we're going to have some challenges. But it needs to go further than just what that basic level of trust is in an employment environment. We need to take it to a level to where I am trusting you to actually go out here and do the mission. I'm trusting you to take care of the clients. And then you know, or as an employee, I know that you've got my back. I know that you have my best interest in mind. And I know that you are going to actually provide me the tools and resources that I need to be able to go out here and do the mission, to be able to do the job, to take care of the clients. So on the no-fill trust then, I think it's great, first of all. Um, how do you find that line then of no-fill trust, meaning we're trusting you to do your job and essentially do it properly. So how do you also create that environment within that, that allows people to essentially make mistakes? Cause one, <laughs> I would imagine that would happen. It's going to happen, but how do you, how do they feel like I'm not trying to make a mistake, but I'm also not trying to not make a decision with the fear of messing up. Cause what if yeah. in that flight example, what if somebody said is like, do I, do I tell them not to land? Right. I'm, there could be some like, okay. In that situation, that was a terrible decision later on, but how do you create that culture where it's okay to make mistakes? Yeah. So that, that's an excellent question. And so, so what we do is we have these seven skill sets in no fail trust, and that's professional knowledge, situational awareness, assertiveness, 
decision-making, communication, leadership, adaptability, and flexibility. And as we're, as we're actually working with our people, we provide these different skill sets along the way. So of course, professional knowledge, you have to know what your job is, right? When I go out here and fly these airplanes, I have to know what my job is. And I have to know the, 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 the details of that. And then I have to have the ability to have situational awareness. I have to know when to be assertive. I have to know when to make a decision, all of these things. But more importantly to your question is we expect people to fail along the way. The mm-hmm. difference is, is how do we hold them accountable and how do yeah, they hold yeah. themselves accountable? And then once that happens, we have to be willing to have honest conversations to provide feedback to each other. Right. So that's what's called a debrief. So we can sit down and have a debrief about that flight. We could have a debrief about what they did right, what they did wrong or what they could have done better. And that's how we're constantly refining. Mm-hmm. And it's not the, these debriefs. They're not punitive. They're meant to help us to understand that we are in this together, that I want you to be better, that I want you to improve, because understand this, if you fail, then I fail. And if you fail, like I said, trust like your business depends on it. If you fail and you don't deliver for the client, then we, that client doesn't come back. That client doesn't advertise us to their friends, to their network. And therefore, we don't get more business and we could potentially fail as an organization, as a business. So that's what this is all about. When you have mm-hmm. the ability to actually have communication with your people, when you take the time to, to discuss what happened, to discuss the lessons learned, and to then learn how to get better along the way, then that allows for this environment, this culture of trust so that they don't feel like they're going to be punished because mm-hmm. they made a decision when we expect them to make decisions. That's the difference. It's like standard of excellence with grace, if I was to sort of summarize it. I, I you know what? I absolutely yeah. love that. That's when great. You, have, that's great. Yeah. you can have that. <laughs> yeah. no, like literally that was beautiful. A standard of excellence with grace. You, you know, I often make tell sure you mention me in your next, uh, your next speech. So John LeBron, <laughs> There, there you go, John. Like literally, but I, but I love that, John. Here's why I love that because you, you want to hold people to a standard of excellence, but you always want to have the ability to give them a a fair measure of grace. Mm-hmm. You see, oftentimes what we tell people is we say, when you see something, say something. And then, of course, what happens? The person they raise their hand and go, "Hey, sir. Hey, ma'am. I see something." And they go, "Shut up," or they silence them. Mm-hmm. Whether they silence them verbally. Or, or proverbially, they silence mm-hmm. them. Either way, after a point, if I bring something to you and you told me to bring it to you and you ignore me, you don't listen to me, you don't hear me, you don't understand me, you don't acknowledge me, then I will stop bringing things to you because then I realize that you don't care about me. Then I realize you don't trust me and I realize that you don't want to hear what I have to say and I will stop telling you about what it is that I see. I will stop telling you about the things that I see that you cannot see. And then we will suffer. And at that point, instead of you having a culture that's built on commitment, you will have a culture that's built on compliance. This Mm -hmm. idea that I'll do as you say, boss, any day. And when you say, you know, you check in at seven o'clock and you check out at four o'clock, no more, no less. That's it. That's all I'm Mm -hmm. giving you. That's what you do when you begin to erode trust because you don't listen to your people and you don't provide that fair measure of grace that you're talking about, John. 
Excellent. There, there were there were a few things uh, on your website that really resonated with me, uh, specifically because you talked about being authentic. That's one of the fibers of our of our podcast, as in our DNA. Uh, obviously, unscripted authentic leadership podcast. On your website, you said uh, take advantage of the opportunity to be authentic and vulnerable with your team being consciously committed to being vulnerable. Oh, it's a whole mouthful. And when I oh, read yeah. that, um, it was powerful, but it was also challenging um, because it's one thing to be vulnerable at times, but you said you have to be committed, which means there's an intentionality behind your vulnerability, being your authentic self. Explain to us what you meant when you said, be consciously committed to being vulnerable and take the advantage uh, of the opportunity to be authentic and vulnerable with your team. Yeah, you, you know, oftentimes it, people are so afraid of being judged, right? And because we're afraid of being judged, we're afraid to be authentic. And because yeah. we're afraid of that, we, we don't take the time to be transparent and authentic. And because of that, then we are therefore not allowing ourselves to be vulnerable. The reality is, is that people are going to love us as we are and for who we are, warts and all. You know, I, 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 as I grew up in the military culture and as I continue to mature in life, I, I, I oftentimes have to face my vulnerability head on. And part of that is, is that there's my fear that I will be judged, my fear that I will not be good enough, my fear that someone will not accept me. But when it came down to leading and leading in combat and even just leading in life right now in a normal environment, what I've come to appreciate is that when you are truly authentic with people and you are just be, being willing to be open, be willing to be vulnerable, it's not about sharing everything, but it's that consciousness that you have that you're willing to be vulnerable and that you're willing to be honest, that you're willing to be transparent that's when you find that people actually will lean into that. And when they lean into that, you will build a level of commitment to each other, a level of support. And then that begins to help build that foundation of trust. And you continue to build on that level of trust because people they appreciate you being authentic. They appreciate you being vulnerable. And then that allows them to bring their true vulnerable, authentic selves into the organization, into the team. And when you get that, you find that people actually become better elevated and they elevate each other. They become more committed to each other, more committed to the team. And it just begins to transcend an organization because no longer are we hiding behind these facades of fakeness, hiding behind these facades of a title or whatever it is that we might hide behind because we're afraid to be judged and we're afraid to be seen for who we really are. That, that's excellent. So what you're saying is that we can still be Superman, but don't forget that you're Clark Kent too. All day, baby. I love that. All yeah. day. <laughs> yeah, that, know, that's, it, that's good. Go ahead. You, you know, at, at times people see, they see what we allow them to see, right? They see all of our glory. And sometimes it's incumbent upon us, especially as leaders, right? And as authentic leaders, it is incumbent upon us to, to show them more than the glory. And we have to then show them some of our story yeah. so that they understand how we got to the place that we're at. 
They understand where we've slipped, where we've fallen, where we've tripped, where we've scraped our knees, where we've bumped our head. Because there's, there's no perfect person, right? There's no perfect pilot in my world. And because of that, I want my people to understand that I am, I'm okay sharing my story. It doesn't take away from my glory. It doesn't take away from my accomplishments. It just further helps to solidify that it took a team to help me to get here to this destination. That that's that's powerful. That's powerful because I feel like a lot of people shy away from leadership because all they see is the the lights. They think it's not attainable. They don't understand those days that you go home crying, that you have to be like that duck that's above the water. But if you went beneath the surface, you know, they're just paddling, trying to stay afloat. <laughs> that's what leadership is. People are asking you questions. You may not always have the answer and you may have to, you feel that pressure, like you have to have the answer and, and it's okay to be vulnerable. And that that's really good. That word commitment is, is a part of it uh, because you also, and you hinted at it a little earlier, but I want to dive deeper into it. Uh, you talked about a culture of commitment over compliance, right? What is that? Because you have a lot, especially corporate America is a compliance culture. Uh, <laughs> it is a, you're going to do what I say. Don't be different. If you, if you go against that corporate mantra, if you go against the corporate status quo, uh, if you don't do things a certain way, then you're going to be out the door. But you're right. talking about it's not so much about your compliance, your attaboy, your, your yes and no, and you don't even have a voice anymore. You're saying a culture of commitment over compliance. Take us further in that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, th this idea of the culture of commitment versus compliance, right? When you look at this, this compliance culture, it's this idea that, that people say, you know what, do what I tell you to do no matter what. And, and don't ask questions. Don't talk back, right? We've, we've heard that. We've seen it played out in the movies and things of that nature. And so, so ultimately in that environment, what happens is, is people say, great, I'll be compliant. And by the way, just for clarity, I'm not talking about compliance to, to, to OSHA mandates and things like that. Believe me, I, <laughs> I am very much in compliance when it comes to flying airplanes around the world. I want to be really clear. Sure. I'm talking more in terms of, of other aspects of compliance, right? You know, the, 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 the difference in a person who's a boss versus a leader. You see, a boss, they deal in compliance. A leader deals in commitment. Yeah. And the difference is when that boss tells you, you got to be here and check in at seven o'clock and you will not do anything other than work, 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 and you will check out at four o'clock. And that's the compliance culture, right? And that boss comes to you and says, hey, John, I, I know it's, it's, it's 345, but I need some help. You're going to go, yep, <clears throat> I'll help you, but you only got mm -hmm. 15 more minutes, boss. Mm -hmm. That's compliance. But commitment culture is they come to you and they say, hey, man, um, I, I know it's 345. I really need your help. And you go, hey, man, leader, friend, person who's willing to be vulnerable and tell me you need help, whatever the, however you look at that environment, and you're saying, I'm willing to stay here and help you as long as it takes because I'm committed to you because I know you're to me. And I'm committed to this team because we're committed to each other. And I'm committed to this organization because they are committed to us, the employees, the team members. That's the difference between a culture of compliance and a culture of commitment. Mm, it's almost like basically get rid of your egos or leave the ego at the door. Yeah. 
Check, you, you always have to check your ego at the door, right? That there was a quote by Robert Half that, that I came across recently and I absolutely love. And it says, ego trip, a trip to nowhere. Mm. I write that one down. Just that is eight. good. That is really good. <laughs> and a part of that uh, commitment and compliance, when I heard you say there was another C word, uh, communication. It's a part Absolutely. of that breaking down that barrier uh, between the commitment and the compliance, just the way your approach, how you talk to people can make that vast difference between that boss and that leader perspective from the employees. Uh, and speaking about communication, uh, you said another thing on your website that I really enjoyed. You said cross generational communication. I thought that was powerful because again, uh, we stand as a bridge here on Unscripted Authentic Leadership, trying to bridge the gap uh, where there's been gaps in communication, gaps in between generations, the millennials and the baby boomers don't understand each other. How, when you say cross-generational communication, because my mind says, okay, that means I can work with anybody from any background, from any area, from any ethnicity, whatever your credentials are. When you say cross-generational communication, what do you mean by that? How can we effectively uh, do that? Yeah, when I, when I talk about that cross-generational communication, it, it's, it's a bit multifaceted, but it's actually quite simple. And here's why I say it's simple. I, I look at the military and that loadmaster that I talk about in that story where that loadmaster commands and directs me to go around, that loadmaster is likely 10, 20 years, a generation away from me. And we have to communicate to be able to make the mission happen. And so, and so then some people will say, well, yeah, Jason, you know, this, this generation is different, this, you know, this and that. And I said, well, let's look at this and go, the Air Force, we have had loadmasters in our airplanes since we started flying cargo airplanes. And so there was some baby boomer loadmasters back in the day. And now we have some Gen X, Gen Y, millennial loadmasters. And they're working with my generation, I guess, Gen X, whatever the case may be, right? And we still have the ability to communicate with each other. That's part of what I'm talking about, that cross-generational communication. The other piece there is that as a leader, when you go into an organization, what I like to tell people when I mentor people, here's what I tell them. And, and when I coach people, what I'd say is, is when you go into an organization, I want you to consider being the most interested person in that organization, not the most interesting person. I want you to get in there and I want you to get to know who your people are, right? This goes back to that authentic self. This goes back to that vulnerability. When you start getting to having these conversations and getting to know who your people are, letting them know that you're interested, letting them know that you want to know about them, then they will begin to, to get to know you and they will begin to open up to you a little bit, let you know who they are. And in turn, you can let them know who you are. And what that does is, is that begins to bridge the gap of communication, allowing you all to have that communication between one another. And it doesn't matter about our race, doesn't matter about our gender, it doesn't matter our culture, it doesn't matter our age, whatever generation we come from, because we've gone in with an intentionality to communicate with people. We've gone in with the intent to get to know who our people are. And that's why it's important that we go into an organization as leaders, as the most interested person, 
not the most accomplished and the most mm. interesting person. Amazing. So, mm -hmm. so what you're saying is, is that that's servant leadership. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not stepping into the room as the CEO. Look at me. Look, you know, I, I've arrived. I'm coming to serve you. Even if the title that I bear is greater than the title that you have, it's not about titles, it's about service. Absolutely. You know, the, 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 the beautiful thing is, is that people can lead without a title. We, can, we, yeah. we must never forget that our people can lead without a title. Yeah. And then the other side of that is we also re remember that everyone's job has a purpose. You know, unfortunately, what I hear all too often is someone will refer to themselves as I am just fill in the blank or someone that's in a titled position will say, oh, he or she is just that. Can you imagine if I looked at my loadmaster and said, oh, she's just a loadmaster. Mm -hmm. Oh, he or she is just an only 19 years old. How much trust would I would I garner? How much communication would I be opening up and welcoming from them if I referred to them like that and I treated them that way? And that's how we have to look and enter into the workplace. Hmm. John, did you have anything else that you <laughs> wanted to ask Jason? That was <laughs> We've unpacked a lot in a short amount of time. I mean, a lot. Yeah. It's about the most notes I've ever taken in, a, in an interview. Yeah, we, have, we have a new record, people. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, if there was if there was one last thing that you wanted to leave the audience, what would that be? I, I would say this. You know, we've talked about authentic leadership, the idea of unscripted, authentic leadership. We've talked about no-fail trust and communication and all these things. Ultimately, people want three things. People, they want to be heard, they want to be understood, and they want to be acknowledged. When we take the time each and every day with the people that we are fortunate, that we are blessed to work with, fortunate and blessed to lead and work with and work for, when we take the time to be interested in them, when we take the time to hear them, understand them, and acknowledge them, we will then begin to create a culture of commitment, accountability, and trust. Mm -hmm. We have a saying that we say, People need to seek to understand before being understood. And it basically covers all three of those. When you seek to understand somebody, you literally are letting know, hey, I hear you. And I'm trying to understand what you're telling me. And then you can give your perspective. You know, nobody, nobody cares what you know until they know that you care. Absolutely. And therefore, you know, as we say, seek to understand first and then be understood is what helps break down barriers. It's what helps build bridges, all those types of things. We learned that as Lafayette and I started our relationship as friends and we would cover things in the news and so forth. And we would just talk about just different things based on how we grew up and how we both had a slightly different opinion. But that was all 100 percent based on our perspectives of how we grew up. Neither one of us was necessarily wrong that I can tell. We just saw it, not even a lot difference, two degrees. And then, uh, and then as I got to understand his perspective and vice versa, that's, you know, we, we were able to have conversations without arguing and build a respect and a brotherhood. So very cool. Yeah. I, I, I a hundred percent love that, John. And, 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 and 
to what you're saying about you and Lafayette and the friendship, the relationship, right? Um, I've had a chance to do some facilitation for a course called um, Disrupting Everyday Bias. And one of the fundamental principles of this concept of bias and this concept of, of unconscious bias, however we explore it, is exactly what you said, John. It is all about our lived experiences. And yes, if we seek to understand, if we seek to hear people, understand them and then acknowledge them, then it changes the whole idea of how we're communicating. We actually open up the opportunity to communicate with each other. And how beautiful is that? Absolutely. Listen, those of you that are part of the Unscripted family, those of you that may be listening, tuning into the podcast for the first time, we don't want you to uh, think that this has to be the end of you hearing Jason here. You can connect with Jason on his website, www.nofailtrust.com. You can also connect with him on Facebook, Jason O'Hara Speaks. His Instagram and Twitter handle is at Jason O'Hara's. He also has a YouTube channel there, Jason O'Hara's. Jason also also offers keynote uh, speaking engagements, consulting, workshops, and executive level coaching. And if you text the word TRUST, all caps, TRUST, T-R-U-S-T, to 833-602-8837, that will come with a free download. Now, what is that free download? they text that trust to that model. yeah that free download it just takes them a lot uh, takes them through our no fail trust model talks about training process people and it gives them a lot more content that's all about no fail trust absolutely great stay in contact with uh, unscripted on our various social media platforms unscripted authentic leadership podcast on facebook on twitter we're at unscripted lead Instagram at Unscripted Leadership. Our LinkedIn page is Unscripted Authentic uh, Leadership Podcast. And also, you can follow uh, Jason on LinkedIn as well. Jason O'Hara is there on LinkedIn. Uh, on our streaming platforms, you can stream. Those of you that may not watch the podcast, but you're part of our listening audience, wherever you stream your podcast at, uh, from Apple to Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, can find us there unscripted authentic leadership podcast also sign up for a mastermind group unscripted-leadership.com those of you that are looking for peer-to-peer networking opportunities somewhere that you can be poured into and you can pour out you're looking for a place we have it just for you unscripted-leadership.com and while you're there you also can pick up some merch when you sign up for our unscripted email group that'll keep you tuned in uh, when you sign up for the email group of things that we have going on, new episodes, new things that we have brewing, you'll also receive a 10% off merch promo code when you do that. All available there, unscripted-leadership.com. Again, we say thank you to our incredible guest, Lieutenant Colonel Jason O'Harris, for coming on, dropping some fire, some wisdom on today's episode. As always, we pray that you be the leader that God has called you to be. We're here to build bridges and not walls. Bridges connect and walls divide. Until next time, God bless you.